This is Dance Talk Radio, brought to you by PhiladelphiaDance.org, your one-stop spot for everything dance in Philly. I am your host, Charles Tyson Jr. I am so happy to have our guest today. When you think of Philly dance, um, it's hard to not think of him. He's kind of everywhere, doing the thing, shaking the leg here and there for himself and for other fabulous people. Um, He is a choreographer, he is a performer, he has a presence in Philadelphia dance. Kareem Goodwin is in the house. How you doing, Kareem? Hey, I am well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be a part. And, you know, I'm great. Can't complain. Fabulous. I love that answer. (laughs) So... It's true. Um, you're you've kind of been. It's kind of hard to avoid uh, seeing your name, hearing your name, uh, seeing your choreography. Um, at least for me, I feel like you know. Every time I turn around, it's like, oh, there's Kareem. Up, oh, there's someone talking about Kareem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's something I really try not to dwell on, and it's always like, oh, there's Kareem, and I'm like. Oh, didn't even know that was happening right now. Okay, great. Great to know these <laughs> things are moving. Um, right. But I think also it's just a true testament of what community and what social platforms will do. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. word of mouth and really building connections. I've learned in my time growing up being a Philly native, like everyone, everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, it's very very clear. Like especially in the Philadelphia dance community, and I've realized that sometimes you just have to let things happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you'll do work, and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I just did a thing, and it was fine." And I never really talk about it until people are, "So you did this?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I did that." Um, I mean, just a day, you know, just trying to just move in my art and just move in my purpose. Keep it pushing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it, you kind of can't have a plan no matter how much you try. Because, like, there's been so many times where I'm like, all right, this is the piece that's going to make me famous. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I know for me growing up, I, starting out as a choreographer, I never really had the ambition to really be the performer. Mm. I've always was drawn to education, like always drawn to teaching, always drawn to creating work. Mm. So people are always like, well, how come you're not dancing for so-and-so? And why didn't you audition for so-and-so? I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's not really what my ministry was. I mean, just quote unquote. I, I, I love to dance. I love to perform. But I don't think it was like ever in the cards for me okay. as far as my goals. So when it came to creating and setting work and creating new art, it was very much, I'm just going to do what I want to do, live how I want to live, and like let it go that way. And I never really had the intention of, oh, I want to be a household name or I want to be that push. That right. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> I wish I wish I was that humble when I was your age, man. <laughs> so... <laughs> um. So, yeah, you mentioned that you are an educator, and I know that's true. Like, let, give me a quick list of, of the places that you teach, because you're kind of everywhere. Um, well, currently, I am primarily at the following studios. Miss Carol Center for Dance in West Philadelphia, mm. the Point Dance Studio in 
Mount Airy, um, Dance Institute of Philadelphia, which is now in North Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and Leaders and Legends Performing Arts Academy, also in West Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, those are primarily the four studios I teach at throughout the year. Um, I'm also the director for Grace Dance Theater Second Company, Grace Dance 2. Mm-hmm. which is a pre-professional company of dancers ages 16 to 23. Mm-hmm. And other than that, that's as far as Philly is concerned. I'm also the resident choreographer. And that's just one city, y'all. Hold on. <laughs> no. <laughs> just to put clarity on top of context. Um, I am also the resident choreographer for Distance Dance Theater, which is in Washington, D.C., which is under the artistic direction of Sean Short. Um, it's DC's contemporary black contemporary ballet company. Um, they are currently in their 16th season, and I've been resident choreographer since 2019. So right before nice. good old COVID hit, I was mm. assigned the position, and then from there, <laughs> you know, here we are, COVID. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, here we all are. Um, and I'm going to touch on that in a little bit. So uh, first, tell me a little bit about your dance journey, um, because you are phenomenally trained um, and you have this wonderful choreographic presence and vision. Tell me about how we got here. Okay. Um, I first started dancing back in the late 90s i'll just say that i'm not going to age myself um i grew up in south philadelphia so i went to point breeze performing arts center um mm-hmm. that may be familiar for most people in the philadelphia oh, yeah. community um and that was under the direction of donna and alfred brown mm-hmm. point breeze um, turned out some fierce dancers when i tell you that that was a melting pot for creatives and some just some talent that has been through that space, both from students and even teachers. Mm-hmm. Like it's like mind-boggling when you look back and be like, "Wow, I've been through those doors and have met these people." Mm-hmm. Um, so, fun fact: I began taking tap. Okay. I didn't start out, like, you know, with ballet, modern, or jazz. I started out taking tap, and the funny thing was, my godmother who had her two kids in the program was like, oh, you should go. It's something to do. They have karate and gymnastics. I'm like, karate and gymnastics? That's not really my thing. Right. And I was going to try and get up 8.30 in the morning on a Saturday for no karate. That wasn't happening. Also that. (laughs) And even, like, I feel like at that age, I was like, I knew I'm not a morning person. I've grown into that now. But (laughs) it's Saturday. I want to sleep. So I thought I was taking chat with Crystal Frazier. Yes. She was like my very first. I didn't know she tapped. (laughs) That's how I met her. I think everybody sees her as she is a phenomenal hip hop artist and creator, but she taught tap and she was my very first tap teacher. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, you're going to be great one day. And I'm like, okay, I just want to learn my steps, shuffle ball chains and keep it moving. And from there, the following year, I was approached by Wayne St. David who at the time yes. was the artistic director of the center and was invited to audition for the studio's company, mm-hmm. which was at the time called Positively to the Point Dance Company. Mm-hmm. 
And that was pretty much the melting pot of the advanced students in the school or potentially advanced students in the school where they were trained, they would have extra classes, they would have extra rehearsals and performance opportunities. From there, my world opened up. I never knew how much I can love something so Mm. quickly. Um, And that really, really, really like opened my eyes. And I got a a chance to train primarily with Wayne, um, with Sharon Mapp, who is like a mentor to me. Mm -hmm. I've had her, she literally was my teacher from the very beginning in this form of technical training. And she stayed with me all the way up until I graduated when I was 18. And still to this day, we've become business partners. We've worked together. We still collaborate to this day. And she's like a mainstay. She's another person who I believe is like one of Philly's best kept secrets. Mm, Like if you've seen her work, I'm pretty sure if you have seen her work, you can tell it's her work. It's very dynamic. It's very heartfelt. It's very soulful. It's very strategic. I think she has an ear like no other when it comes to musicality. And mm, I'll be like, okay. where did you hear that? Out of right. this simple <laughs> song. And I'm like, and it takes a while for you to hear you, but oh, I get it. Um, also, Anthony Burrell, who was like, who is yes. literally my brother. Um, who else can I name in that space? The late Faith Snow, Horton mm. Legend, Philadelphia mm-hmm. Dance Queen. Yep. Shantae Andrews. Oh, yeah. I've met plenty of... Gary Jeter was my very first ballet teacher. All right. Okay, Pantheon. <laughs> like, Gary was my very first ballet teacher. Like, he was my first introduction to seeing a man in ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most calmest people, even to this day, one of the most, like, chill, smooth, laid-back people ever on the face of this planet. I've never heard this man yell. I've Me never, either, now that you mention it. <laughs> like, never. Like, he's very reserved. He's very strategic. And he's not strategic, but he's also very stringent and mm-hmm. accurate in what he does. Um, mm-hmm. Who else have I? Dara Meredith, Lucita Nelson, Roxanne List, Deborah Manning St. Charles was in Point Breeze at one point in time. Well, you got brought up right. Delphine, <laughs> yeah, like Delphine Mance. Zane Booker. Oh, God, Delphine. Yeah. Like, I had Delphine for tap, I believe, my first two years of high school. Um, Jeffrey Page, Cache Ivy. I'm trying to think who else has been in that space. It's, it's like a revolving door, honestly. So many people have been there. I hope you realize exactly how lucky you really oh, are. I, oh, I. Because I that is. Stellar. Oh my goodness. Like Robert Burton Sr. Mm-hmm. was turned into me teaching and being a mentor to Robert Burton Jr. <laughs> <laughs> being close friends with William Burton, who's currently a member of Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Um That whole family is so talented, it's it's sick. It's, un- it's ungodly. It's ungodly <laughs> how talented that family is. Um I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody. I said Zane. Zane mm-hmm. Booker came in my high school year. That's how I got introduced to him. That's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's like people. Just Zane, that's people. a lot. <laughs> Bruh, baby. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about a lot? You want to talk about stress? <laughs> stress. Um, but primarily, if I could name, 
and they, and to this day, I think I'm connected to every single person I teach in some way or another. the Clarks, Kyle and Danita Clark. Oh yeah. Um, Tiger B. Like, and the thing about being at Point Breeze and being a part of that particular organization was you couldn't just take one thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. allowed. You had to take everything: ballet, modern jazz, hip hop, acro. Even if you didn't want to take acro. You're going to be well-rounded if you like it or not. <laughs> or not. Like, or not. <laughs> um, and that journey really, 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 really carried me because I don't think I knew at the time what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And who knows what they really want to do at 12, 13. Right. You know, people always say, oh, I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to be a lawyer. You know, the, the usual you know, right, right. just to say just to say what you know make people happy and be like okay get out of my face that's fine You're right the kids got goals leave them alone yeah so <laughs> um moving forward through life i think i took a real a really traumatizing experience happened in 1999 um mm. my oldest brother was murdered mm. in broad daylight oh god and i was about 10 and with that it kind of shifted the narrative for what life was for me. I bet. Yeah. Um, my foster, my biological mother was like really affected by it. And things took a turn. I'm not going to go into too much detail about that. Right. But I'll give you the scenario. Picture someone going to dance school every day in mm. their uniform from school. But in actuality, they missed three-fourths of the year. Right. So that happened. That was a right. thing. Mm. And I think I, at the time, to this, I went to a Philadelphia public school at the time. And me not being, me being a child and not really being aware of things, I realized that Point Breeze had a connection with the school system. Mm. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm going to dance school. I'm And being at dance, I'm there every day. Right. Like, literally, we're there at six days a week, sometimes seven. Right. I think tangent, which I believe is a side, which is like a culture shock for dancers of today that are in dance school. Really? I believe, and this is just my opinion because I teach. A lot of kids don't go to dance school every day. Hmm. A lot of times, you know, studios are offering packages where they take everything in one day. And at the most two days. Huh, and it's not all studios, but it's a vast majority. So right, because most of the places I've taught, it's like yeah, the kids we would see them more than their family would because they're there all of the time. I can't imagine. Yeah, like I think <laughs> like you might have your Saturday kids, but primarily yeah, like everyone the lives older there. Ones, it's like right. I've realized that like everything is happening in one day. Like they take their ballet, modern, and jazz all in one day. Huh. Sometimes too. But that's a tangent. Anyway, I was going back to me growing up. I was um going to I was coming to dance school, and I remember I got pulled into Miss Donna's office, and she was like, "Hey, how are you? How's school?" And you know, oh, school's fine, great. Right. Um, don't think so. Heard you have me going to school. Here's the attendance report. Here's what's going to happen. And long story short, it was going to be I was going to be put into foster care. Oh, wow. And because of negli- quote unquote negligence, 
because I wasn't going to school. Right. So at that time, I was like, I didn't realize how serious it was at the moment. So as soon as I heard the words being taken away, I think I went into like a panic. All right. And plus, you're still a kid. Exactly. I'm like 11 at this point. So I'm like, uh, but on the other side of things, the Browns decided to take me and my younger brother in so that we would be able to still be around our peers and still continue to do what we did as far as dance was concerned. Nice. But they would still foster a way of me still being involved in school and getting back into the swing of things to avoid any kind of getting in the system. Right. Yeah. Because... Because yeah. that can be very, 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 very traumatic for people. Mm-hmm. So that happened. Um, I became, me and my younger brother became their foster kids. And they held us down through high school. And I had to still maintain a relationship with my mother who went into self-care, getting herself back together and moving forward, which turned out to be very successful. Um, so with that, it was a whole new world to me because now I'm like, oh, this is what (laughs) things are doing and opportunities were coming up. Oh, this lighting is horrible. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, um, (laughs) so doing that, I began to like get opportunities with going to study at different places for summer intensive. Like I never been to the University of Wyoming until ninth grade. Wow. And that was a culture shock for me because I didn't know it until (laughs) I got there that I was the only black. Mm -hmm. I was the only black male Mm -hmm. and I was the only person east of the Rocky Mountains in attendance. Wow. Okay. And that was the Snowy Rain Summer Dance Festival, which is still going to this day. I think they're on their 30th season now. Okay. And I, from there, it opened my eyes even more that dance is what, it really, what I really, really, really want to do. Um, we got a chance to train. That's how I met Roni Koresh on set. Ah, okay. I met Roni there. And wow. I, it was, like, really eye-opening for me. I met Keith Saunders, who at the time was the ballet master for Dance Theater of Harlem. Mm-hmm. And it just opened my eyes to dance in a whole different way than what I was used to in Philly. Um, so that happened growing up. Opportunities were coming up. And then I think around the age of 15, I began to student teach mm-hmm. at Point Breeze. And that was when I realized I really liked to teach. I really like to assist. I really like to choreograph. I really like the ins and outs of what it was to make an arts organization an organization. And it kind of leads to where I am now. Uh, My love for administrative work, my love for dance writing, my love for coaching and performance prep. Honestly, I can say it's all stemmed from Point Breeze. Um, so moving forward after high school, I graduated, I went to Arthur Carroll high school. I did not go to Kappa as many people would assume. (laughs) Like most people assume, (laughs) oh, you went to Kappa. 
No, it was either I go to a performing arts high school and go to a regular college or go to a regular high school and go right. to a performing arts college. Um, after high school, I wound up going to the University of the Arts, which was already oh, yeah. like a home because of Wayne. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like growing up with Wayne, I would be at the college on days off from school or when I would have to go. So like I knew I knew the faculty already. They knew me. <laughs> so getting to school right. was not like, oh, this is a big thing for me mentally. Like, I think the only new aspect of the school was everything else besides the dance department. Oh, liberal arts. Right. I've never been in those buildings. I've never seen those things. But everything else was like, oh, hey. Right. Hey, Mark. Hey, Susan. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, Molly. Hey, Miss Kim. Like, I knew these people already. They knew me. Right. Um, And that happened. College was an experience. And that's when I learned that the teachers I had growing up, were going to hold me to an even higher standard when I got to college. Oh, yeah. Case in point. You thought you knew. <laughs> case in point, Zane Booker. Mm. Um, I had him at Point Breeze for, I believe, ninth and 10th grade. And then when I got to UART, did not know he was going to be my very first class on my very first day. <laughs> Didn't even know he was on faculty, low key. Didn't even know that. So when I saw that, and he so you're like, oh, me, oh, oh, <laughs> that's exactly what he did. Oh, oh, you're here. <laughs> and it was like a constant reminder that I can't settle. I was okay. never allowed to be lazy or, oh, get the easy way out. Even with Ooh. Wayne, like even with Wayne growing up, once I became a major oh, you're just not going to take my classes all the time because you're comfortable with me. Like, he would deny my he would deny my roster, but, like, when I would do course selection, be like, nope, can't be in that <laughs> section because you, I see that I'm on it. Like, you're not on. Do something else. Go do something else. This was fine, and it really... I mean, I've never heard the words easy and Wayne, like, in no, the same sentence ever anyway. I think anyway. A, a sense of comfortability. <laughs> I, right. Like, and I was used to, like, I can... I was able to move fast and move through space. Like, that was always, like, even now to this day at my big age, I'm like, oof, can I still uh-huh. do that? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, I've seen you do it. <laughs> but, yeah, that part. Um, but, yes, I think in college is when I really got into, like, creating. Um, I began to really get into the effects of, composition more like i really enjoyed mm. those courses as opposed to anything else um, same yeah and i believe that's when i got in sophomore years when i joined elion connection mm-hmm. um under the assistant direction of sean lemire williams sean lemire yeah another again another legend i feel like my journey has been like sprinkled with like so many different aspects of legends and it's like yeah. phenomenal. Like it really, really is. And I fully feel like I'm honored. And every day I like really look back and I'm like, people would kill for this. <laughs> like really would kill. Yeah. yeah. For like this kind <laughs> of like exposure to people and like getting to know these people. So I joined Elion Connection for a season, 2008, 2009. And I was choreographing at school. I did the suit and composition workshop. 
Mm-hmm. And he came to the show. I didn't know he was coming to the show, but a handful of LEO members, both in first and second company, were in that composition showcase. Mm. So he came and I saw him. He was like, oh, good job. And he was like, I really got to talk to you about your piece. We'll talk later. And I'm like, okay, great. So hey. he calls me. <laughs> no, like, because I knew at the time, you know, it's Christmas. So, of course, Carol's and Color is happening. There's right, a lot yeah. going on. Like, it's the end of the semester at the college. Things are happening. So he called me, like, right after Christmas before we came back in the new year and was like, so I want you to choreograph on the site and company. And I'm like, I just got here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got here. You look around like, wait, he talking to me. I'm like, like <laughs> I just got here. And I'm, we want to choreograph on fellow company members. Okay. That was Work. new. That was new for me. And that kind of pivoted a lot of things doing that. Because it became a thing where I was like choreographing every season now on the site and company. Even after I left. Mm-hmm. And that built a connection with me and Elion where the school opened a couple of seasons later, I believe in 2010. He asked me to teach, and I'm like, me? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm looking on the roster of teachers, I'm like, all these people are like, great. You know, like, I'm like, teaching experience outside of my student teaching at Point Breeze. Right. So I'm like, Okay. Well, you never really see yourself. <laughs> right, right. And that's another thing where I've, like, learned that people will see things in you before you ever, ever discover it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And I became, I was one of the founding faculty members at the studio. And it was great. I didn't realize how good of a, I didn't realize that I was really affecting change in the classroom as I was. Because I would be getting, like, strongly like, oh, parents love you, the kids love you, and it's great. And I'm like, okay, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then the following season, he pushed the envelope again and was like, I'm starting a student company for the school. Do you want to be the rehearsal director? And I'm like, and he, yes. he said this to me via voicemail. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, was this the wrong person? Because <laughs> he didn't even, like, he just said, hey. Like it wasn't. I was like, maybe he called the wrong person. And just, <laughs> like, cause he didn't say a name. So I'm like, and I remember I left it alone for a little. He bit. could have been asking anybody. Anybody. And he, I left it alone. <laughs> I was like, and he called me back a couple of days. He was like, you ain't responding to my voice message. I was like, oh, that was from. <laughs> right. That's funny. Yeah, and I was a thing. <laughs> And I didn't realize what a responsibility it was. Um, and that was another, like, that showed my love for being a director and, like, really running and helping to curate and really mold young artists. Um, yeah, it was fascinating. Those young people. So with that first group of that of the youth company, at, which was known as Elion Dance Incorporated, you know, the particular group was really, really special. One member is a current member of Philadelphia. Another member is a cheerleader for the Washington Wizards. One is pursuing her law degree. Nice. And they've all wanted to be just fabulous, fabulous young people. I can't even say young people anymore. They're full-fledged adults. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they are living their life. And it became something totally special. But on the other side of things, I kind of got into performing with Grace Dance Theater. Mm. 
Um, I was, I remember I joined the company during my senior year of college. So I had joined right at the end of my first semester in college. Um, hmm. And I didn't know, I, I just thought it was like, oh, it's, it's just going to be a season. Just come in and be an artist for the season. Didn't think anything of it. And when I was approached at the time by current artistic director, Stephanie Demby, Demby mm-hmm. I was like, okay, sure, I'll help. And it was great. It was a great organization. I met artists like another Philadelphia legend, Itola. Oh, met God, him. Itola. Itola is like my choreographic twin. We approach things like differently, but very similarly <laughs> and I've yeah. been trying to work with him forever and it just never happens anyway I'm sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> yes I met him because at the time he was artistic director and I had met mm-hmm. the founder Carol Covis Davis mm. another icon in the Philadelphia dance community mm. um and she said something to me that really like kind of jolted me <laughs> Okay. this lady never met me a day in my life <laughs> and we're in rehearsal and at the time it was the company's 20th anniversary season mm-hmm. and i'm learning a work and i'm kind of like all over the place because i'm like i don't know these people i don't know these steps i'm just trying to help come in fit in where i get in where i fit in right yeah, yeah and i was getting a little bit frustrated and i remember she came to me on a break and was like i don't know who you are but you are just absolutely fabulous and if you know me carol <laughs> Uh-huh. Fabulous is her word. Yeah, yeah. That is her word. She will use it, and that is something that's synonymous with her. And she means it when she said it. <laughs> and she means it. She doesn't take it. She doesn't not use her word in a light context at all. Mm-hmm. So I developed. I think that's when I started to develop that Grace was becoming a family for me. Mm. So at the time, I was growing in the company. I was learning things. I was meeting people. I got a chance to work with some, like, amazing choreographers looking back after 12 years with the company. Tommy Wahid Evans. Oh, God, uh, yes. With Lamar Baylor. Who else? Kervin Duhit Boyd. Mm. Holly Wright. I'm trying to go through the list because it's a list. Oh, <laughs> um, list. Jay Staten. Yeah, like, being inside of Grace has, like, really, 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 really propelled me. And I guess it kind of fulfilled my want or desire of performing. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't so demanding. But still, no joke. Satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Because Grace still Dance satisfying. Theater, like, I, I remember when it was still Company Grace. Mm-hmm. And then... It was so stellar, and it was like this hidden gem in the city. Again, which you I know, believe, and I still stand by that as well. I believe Grace is like a really well-hidden gem. Yeah. <laughs> but once you tap in and you get to see it, you're like, oh, my God. Well, because then when it was still, when the studio was still called uh, Progressive, you know, the studio is like a hidden gem. If You, you got to know where it is to know where it is. Exactly. But like. I was but so not impressed. knowing that inside of that tiny space was yes. like six magic. magic. Magic was happening. And they've only gotten better over the years. It's so amazing. Yes, yes. Um, so at the time, I was just, you know, finding my way in the company, supporting Stephanie, who has turned in from like 
a colleague to a sister and a partner, like mm. really like a go-to person for me in this space. Um, in 2014, Miss Carol transitioned from breast cancer. Yes. Um, so a lot of things were left up in arms. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. Um, you know, transitioning and how we're going to get, what is, how are we moving forward? Right. How can we really, really move forward with the organization? Because there's a and level of, of excellence that is expected yes. and you want to honor her legacy by keeping and building on that exactly um so that goes and right before her transition stephanie was made artistic director of the company Mm -hmm. and i remember just being led to like help and be a support right because i think it's a lot to add to think about when you lose a mentor and like have the honor, but also a burden of carrying somebody's legacy. Right. And I feel like inside of that was where I became really, really in tune with like helping push the company forward. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever was like, even to this day, whatever is needed for the company and I can help it, you know, I'll do my part to make it happen. Right. Um, yeah, and from there is how I became the director for Grace Dance Theater 2. Mm-hmm. Because the founding director, Barbara Pope, another legend, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the founding director of the company, was saying, you know, it's my time. I want to enjoy my life. I have a new grandchild. Family is expanding. Right. I want to enjoy my life. And I, again, when people see things in you that you necessarily don't see in yourself. Right. And I remember she approached me and she was like, do you want to be, would you consider being the director? And I was like, who? <laughs> who are these people talking to? <laughs> and, exactly. And I'm like, you sure? <laughs> and she had said something to me that kind of like, again, blew my mind. She said, you have a really special gift with bringing out the best in people. Hmm. And I think that echoes things that I've heard from Sean Lemire Williams, mm-hmm. Ladiva Davis, mm-hmm. um, Barbara Pope. They all keep saying that you have a gift for bringing out the best in people. I'm like, okay. Well, we can I make think that what everyone is seeing, you know, mm-hmm. besides your obvious talent, is the humility of your spirit. You know, you're not out here trying to be on front street you're just trying to like do the right thing and make the right thing happen and that energy is what causes people to want to be their best because it's not about you know a lot of times it's the ego walks in the room and everyone do what i say that's not you and that makes the difference i think and in retrospect i see it like how it's like helped because i never under I, I never felt the need to be like this larger life ego right now once i get in the space and we're working that's a whole different story well work mode is work mode period <laughs> that's a whole different beast right. um sometimes i it's funny because people will quote me i'm like i said that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry 
I did. <laughs> I did. But, you know, we're in, we're working, we're working, we're working. Exactly. Um, so, Grace 2, I was, again, I was humbled because I saw what Grace 2 was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a lot to take up. Because, yeah. like, the standard for that second company, at the time, I was looking like, oh, my God, this is like an army. Like, an <laughs> army. Okay. <laughs> like, an army. Yeah. Which, like, which, I, which another tangent, these second companies in, these, in this city are some armies. Yeah. Like, armies. Like, you'd be like, oh, my God, how? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> How um, do you program on fifty three eleven people at the same time? <laughs> again, shout out to Elion Connection and at the time Sharon met. Mm. I don't if you ever saw Carols in Color and you saw at least twenty five to twenty eight dancers on stage mm. at the same time, moving in the precision and swiftness of one person. That part. It's like, it blows your mind. Yeah. And even as, like, a staff member, I would literally be in the wing like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, Grace 2, which has become, like, a big part for me in my mission of mentorship and cultivating artists, Mm -hmm. is really, like, my happiest of places, I can say that, at this point in my life. Nice. I enjoy nurturing the second company. I enjoy the fact that I get a chance to like pick the rep or even also get opportunities to choreographers and exposure to choreographers that were not, that are not usually associated with the organization, but I know can really bring something different to the table as far as the rep. And again, I can only thank Stephanie for that, like for putting, giving me the opportunity to like really move autonomously in that space Mm. because yeah like and i when we had our 30th anniversary celebration last season yeah i was like and i was like wow (laughs) time i got so many compliments and not this great feedback about and at first i was like i'll dance too but about the second company (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about oh my god they look so polished they look so mature they're very very together you can tell there's a bond mm. and I'm like and it only does like that warms my heart and it really like sets like okay this is what we're supposed to be doing because at first <laughs> when I first took the position trauma <laughs> <laughs> it was trauma and not because it was like a horrible experience, but something that was really, really new. Mm. And in comparison, and I know people probably are listening, or like, well, you just said you were the rehearsal director for the studio company at Elion. And I right. was. Right. But it's two different beasts. Yeah. Two different age groups. Yeah. And the standard with, as they get older, it's more responsibility of. Mm-hmm. And more, you know, really getting in what's needed. Right. Um, so I think after about, I think I'm currently in my eighth season with the second company. Okay. I think I found my sweet spot where okay. I'm like, I know I have a system now. I can know how this works. I can really navigate, especially when we get new members in. And it's like, okay, 
this is how we're going to work, and this is how we're going to get it done. Um, and then, again, simultaneously, while that's happening, I became affiliated with Dissonance Dance Theater in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and that particular organization, I got an email over the summer, okay. like the summer of 2016, and it was very... Oh, you've been selected to become a recipient of our new faces of new voices of dance fellowship. Work. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and I didn't know who this person was. I never heard of the organization before. How did they and get who they got the wrong email address? <laughs> no, but neither did I think at that point I think by that point I was like, people know. Well good. I'm glad that kicked in. It did. <laughs> <laughs> it kicked in, and I realized that people know. Good. Um, and I got the email, and with that, it became okay. We're going to come in. We're going to set a work. And the catch was, I only had a day to choreograph. How long of a work? It was about six minutes. Okay. But that was uncanny to me. <laughs> I mean, that's six minutes is a lot for one day, but okay. <laughs> right. You're like, I know. <laughs> and I met the artist and director, Sean Short. I remember I went down there, and I think I had rehearsal from 12 to 8. Okay. And, and that, in my head, I'm like, how am I going to do this? I've never met these dancers before. I don't know what they can do. How are right. we really set a work right. in eight hours? <laughs> really right. sad, man, because we took breaks. Because some of that time is you getting to know them and what they can do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that happened. It, it happened, and I remember after the process was over, I had a conversation with Sean, and he said, you move so proficiently and you move with such a speed and an energy that it's very silly, <laughs> which at the time, you know, not, you know, being familiar with people that are not outside of Philly, that Philly has its own quality of movement. It's true. It's own very unique in particular. And that's across genres. Yeah, that is true. Across yeah. all genres of dance, yeah. where it's like... You know, it's fast and it's height and it's very intricate. It's very Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so definitely the more, you. The more, and the more I get to travel and work with other people outside of Philadelphia, it's like, it's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very true. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't train in those, in those staples. People don't move as fast. People don't move with a particular nuance or had that kind of conviction and personality. Well, what is it about Philly dance do you think that causes that? (laughs) I think in my honest opinion, it's the, the joy. It's a joy about it. And it's also the conviction and seriousness of it. Mm-hmm. I think once you're locked in, you're locked in. Like once okay. you really hone in on what it is, 
it makes it unstoppable. And I think the energy also from those who have, who are considered elders really set those precedents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think, and I think that's the only thing I can relate it back to. I don't think it's necessarily like our personal lived experience or anything that's like, oh, they got to do it. I think it's really, well, I think, yo, I take that back. You got to do it. If you want right. to do it, you got to do it. Right. And we're going to do it well. We're going to do it fast. We're going to do it our way. And we're going to still be as technically sound as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't okay. think there's any watering down of those things when it comes to silly dance. Right. And that's well, across like all genres of dance. <laughs> which makes sense because you consider, you know, you have your Ronies, you have uh, Philodenko, you've got uh, your Brian Sanders, you've got Zane, you've got, you had Kariamu, and like mm-hmm. all these heavy, like major influences sprinkling around, around everyone that's studying in the city. So yeah, you learn from that and that brings you up. It does create a vibe. I get it. Okay. And also, like, not knowing, when I look back over who I've had as a teacher, mm-hmm. not knowing that I was really connected to all of these people and not and never really met none of them personally until very much later in my dance journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all um, swirling around. Yeah. I, it, exactly. I feel like, yeah, that's exactly it. Um. So moving with dissonance, that happened. I created a work. And I developed a relationship where I would come down for the summer intensives, like do the teaching for that. And right in 2019, right before COVID, I got a phone call from the artistic director saying, hey, um, would you consider being the company's resident choreographer? Yeah. And at that point, I knew that I wanted to do this. I knew at that point I wanted to really choreograph. I really, really want to choreograph. I really want to set work. Um, didn't know it was really going to take it to that direction. Mm-hmm. But COVID. <laughs> Thank you. I was I was going to go there. Yeah. How did COVID uh, affect? You know, how was your artistry affected by COVID? Well. On two, there's two sides to this coin. One side, I was absolutely crushed by COVID mm. because things were happening and things were moving, and then all of a sudden, it just stopped. Yep. Like, and it, I just got into this new position as resident choreographer. I had ideas of what I wanted to do. Mm. I, there were plans to make things happen. I was booking things for like that particular summer of 2020, and things were like really, really starting to pick up. Right. And then. It's a shutdown. Right. Like, there's no... Everything was canceled. Every contract was put on hold. Everything was absolutely, like... Ugh. Yeah. And I remember, like, looking at the beginning of 2020, and, at, and I was at IBD, which was in Philly at the year. Was, right. Which was here in Philly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is really going to be my year. I'm excited. Like, I'm things are really going to happen, and, like, I'm excited Man. to what's come from it. And then come May, not May, March 16th, yeah. a shutdown happens. Wow. 
literally was on the phone the week before playing out what was going to happen about something that was really, really major for me. And I was like, oh, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And then, no. Um, <laughs> but no, on the other side of that coin, it was a much needed rest. That that part, yeah. It was a much needed rest for me because I feel like at the time, with all of the new things that were happening, I started to manage what I was already what it was what I was already given, mm-hmm. and I believe I was becoming really tired. I was becoming really fatigued, and I was like, something's about to give. Something's mm-hmm. going to have to like cut off, and that happened. And with inside that. You know, I don't want to say it was depression, but it was just weird not being able to do what you love to do, right? On a consistent basis, right? In in the in the way that you're used to it happening, right? Um, I missed the children. I missed what I was working with. I missed my colleagues. I missed you know the hustle and bustle of moving about. Yeah. And I didn't realize I was like, I've never been in my apartment this long throughout the one day. Right, right, right. Like, then fast forward six months and I'm like, I'm still here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, depression is, is real. And also, we, I realized we were going through mourning because you're mourning right. like, the things that were going on that you no longer can do. But at the same time, what I know what helped me was, you know, just one day, just give yourself permission to accept the fact that you don't have to be going and doing all the time. You have permission Mm -hmm. to like take that rest that you do need because you were so everywhere for everyone all the time before. Um, and I, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for me from this. And I have implemented it into my, I guess, I can't say post-COVID because we're still here, but right. in my yeah. current space, right. like, I'm really, really serious about my off time. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm not too clear. I'm not too easily persuaded to be like, oh, I had off. I can still help you though. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My off time is my off time, and I'm going to take my off time, and I'm going to enjoy my off time. Um, that really is a, a big side effect from the pandemic: is people placing finding that liberation, right? Fi- placing much higher value on self care. Yes. Um, but you know, in the pandemic, at its height, I had to still figure out work. <laughs> oh, and then there's that. <laughs> um. You know, so the idea of Zoom and virtual teaching mm-hmm. got on my nerves. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the only reason I say it got on my nerves is because I'm a tech person. I'm into tech stuff. That's fine. Right. Um, But the space? No. Yeah. I am six foot five, and I am demonstrating in my apartment. Uh-huh. I am jumping in my apartment. And there's never enough room. I didn't kick light fixtures <laughs> on camera. I had hit my foot on the ceiling. That wasn't choreography. Y'all don't that do that. <laughs> the game of me trying to fit inside the screen. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I didn't bought that Harlequin mat, that portable dance Marley. Work, uh-huh. And it is still in my closet, and I have not pulled it out. And I should sell it. So if anybody's listening would like to buy it, no. <laughs> 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 um, Yeah, like I, I, I almost bought a ballet bar, and I was like, we're not going that far. <laughs> we're not in this apartment. We're not going that far. You better get um, a chair and act like you know. <laughs> that on the stool. And then becoming like that was like a thing. And, you know, things were starting to just, I found like things were like starting to drop off. Like at the time, I was really trying to push for like, put, keep the mobility inside the second company for Grace. Mm. Oh, we're going to have class on Zoom. That didn't last too long for me. And I was like, I'm not in this space. I'm not there. It's hard enough corralling people in real life when you have the option of like, I can just not. (laughs) And I was honest enough to be like, yeah, this ain't going to last too long. I think I gave it until about May. And I was like, no, I have fun. I'll check in. Right. Yeah. Um, But on the other side of things was the beginning of a development of skills that I think I would need. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Sean Short of Distance Dance Theater is somebody who is like a push. When I mean a pusher, like that's a pusher. Mm-hmm. And we had conversations every day throughout the entire pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like, what are your dreams? What are your goals? You know? As a resident choreographer, my job is to still mentor you, you know, still help you find your voice. Let's put skills in, let's implement things. And that opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, like development skills, like on the development aspect of arts organizations, mm-hmm. which I realized really quickly that that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different animal. Just an entirely different animal. Um, and we get around with different things. Like, oh, here's an assignment. Let's get that. Um, then I was approached New Year's Eve of 2020 by him with the idea of a dance film. And nice. I'm like, we're in COVID. How are we going to do a dance film? Right. You know, restrictions are still there. There's no vaccine. You know, Trump is still arguing that he's still the president, even though he doesn't. <laughs> right. You know, recounts are happening. And I'm like, how are we How are we doing this? <laughs> so, Sean is a filmmaker. He's certified. He has, he has certification in that. Okay. Like, in playwriting. And he's a well, I'll say this, he's a well-decorated artist. He has certifications in just about everything. Nice. And it blows, that blows my mind. And I think in my head, I'm like, that is goals for when I get to that point in my life where I'm like, I'm knowledgeable in everything. I can make things happen. And that happened. Um, he put me through this whole rigmarole of writing a screenplay. And I'm like, I am not much of a writer. <laughs> I'm not much of a writer. And he was really supportive, and he understood that. And after about six or seven drafts, right, 
Um, he started to make moves upon the project. We were calling for dancers and submissions from dancers to be a part of the project. And from February to June of 2021 was the creation of the film Mute Dance Silence by COVID, mm. which was a mini film series, which is a mini, a mini film to get perspective from people all over the country. Hmm. Beyond, actually, because um, there is a dancer who was from Brazil who was a part of the project. Work. Um, and that was left up to me. Um, after Sean went through the screenplay and he dissected it and he made his notes and adjustments, um, a lot of the stuff was left on me as far as setting choreography, meeting the dancers, collaborating with um, a storyboard artist, and really like getting into these perspectives and doing interviews similar to like this podcast was with the dancers right? to get their context and experience on what they were doing, what they were dealing with through COVID. Um, so we had we had somebody from Jersey, somebody from DC, somebody from Virginia, someone from Utah, someone from St. Louis, someone from Brazil, and am I missing a person? Someone from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. And it turned out to be a really great experience. Like doing it was stressful. I will not lie. It was stressful. It <laughs> well, was, yeah, because you were being stressful. thorough. Like it was dealing with time zones and trying to figure out rehearsing the dancers and giving them material to learn, and still reporting back to Sean and the rest of the artistic team to really make this happen. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and at the same time, in 2021, things were starting to open back up in Philly. Right. Like, slowly but surely, I was getting back into in-person teaching. And I'm like, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> but the process overall really, really shocked me. <laughs> right. The end result of the film. And I remember watching the film after it was edited. And I sat on a conference call with Sean watching the film. And I was just blown away. And he was like, yeah, it's going to come out on demand in the summer. We're going to submit to a few festivals and see how it goes. Nice. And I remember the day before it premiered for public consumption, that Sean called me and was like, oh, it's a nominee for the Cannes World Film Festival. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> And a couple of days later, it won. <laughs> wow. It won. And I did not know what was going on. And I got interviewed about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. And so wait, which prize did it win? Best Dance Film. Work. I didn't even know that was a category. Look at me learning yes. things. Yes. Um. So it came out. I remember like receiving such a ton of feedback about it and it was personal and I didn't, and I think that was something I really enjoyed. It was personal for me, but I, you didn't have to see me at all in the process. Right. And I think that was the beauty of it. And I think that was what cultivated my relationship with Sean and the company. Mm -hmm. 
because from there, Sean is, like, always pushing me to do more. Like, because of Sean and business, I have a whole certification in social media management and marketing. Yes. Now, that's a valuable skill. I have a, a skill. And, yeah, and that has, like, definitely, like, opened doors and, like, helped me to see things in a whole different light after going mm -hmm. through that process of certification about the importance of social media and the importance of time within social media mm -hmm. and how social media can really make or break an organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from there, you know, I've been, you know, putting my hands towards different things. Um, you know, trying to apply myself and put myself out there more as an artist mm -hmm. and, you know, applying for things, see what, how things handle, see how things pan out how things stick. Right. And, you know, that's where I am today. That was a long conversation about that. Come on, Journey. Well, journey. what what is next? What is coming up next for you? What are you um, working on? Well, what am I working on at the moment? Um, there are a few commissions that are happening. Um, I can't disclose them all yet because, you know, okay. things have to be signed. Right, right, right. Hard. Um, but I am currently still the resident choreographer for Dissonance. Mm -hmm. I'm working for something in the spring that will start development. Um, as far as personal projects, I am in the midst of trying to figure out, well, not in the midst. I'm in the midst of research for a new project. Okay. Um, something I want to do here in Philly and really try to get a grasp of where I am as an artist. Okay. Cause I, oh, I didn't even mention that back in 2014, I set my own, I did my first show, my okay. first choreographic premiere. And I always, people are always like, well, you haven't done anything in so long. And I'm like, yeah, but I kind of want to make sure the timing's right. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the person that's pushing out every time and it becomes unvaluable mm. or it's being done out of formality or obligation to do it yeah or obligation yeah um because it shows i think what yeah so what i'm working on it is really special it's close to me i'll say that okay um but other than that i'm still teaching i am around i'm still i'm traveling a lot more which is a great thing um and making connections that i that are like promising and fulfilling beautiful i think that's the biggest part for me is like making solid connections that are worthwhile mm -hmm. beneficial and just meaningful so if we want to uh keep up with you and learn more about you know what you're doing what you've done where can we go where can we visit um primarily my instagram the kareem b goodwin is okay. my primary artistic sort like where to find me artistically and where to find what I'm doing. Okay. Um, the website is currently in development. It will be up by December first. Okay. Just trying to make sure things are in order. Um, but yeah, find me on Instagram. You can find me there. Um, Facebook is real vague. I'm barely on Facebook. <laughs> like it's become. I don't know. I think it's starting to become the the senior center for social media. <laughs> Come on, help me. Hey, hey, hey. 
<laughs> no, well, wait a minute. I mean, you're not wrong. Going by what I've seen. You're not wrong. <laughs> what I've seen. People barely post. <laughs> I did take that a little personal, but, think, but you're not wrong. <laughs> no, but I get it. I understand it because as a social media consultant for an organization, no, you're Facebook absolutely right. is still valuable. Um, but yeah, I think also I'm learning these new skills of social media engagement, like doing reels. Mm-hmm. I don't know how kids do TikTok and all of that. It is very much a lot, <laughs> but yeah, I just started learning TikTok out of necessity, and it's like uh, it's hard enough making videos like for real for myself. Now I got to do it for now, but right. okay, fine. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where that is. I feel like, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at the Kareem B. Goodwin. Okay. And I'll be there. I'll make sure to put that on in the uh, the notes to this episode. Well, Kareem, this has been a delightful conversation. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I did. Thank you so much. You know, you are another Philadelphia legend. Um, that I never got a chance to work with directly, but I always have met students who are like, I trained with Charles. And I'm like, uh-huh. Thank you. I, that's a word I never heard attached to me before. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you have a great no day. No problem. You too. This has been Dance Talk Radio, brought to you by PhiladelphiaDance.org, your one-stop spot for everything dance in Philly. If you are a dancer in Philly, or if you love a dancer in Philly, please consider going to PhiladelphiaDance.org and clicking on the Become a Member button. And take advantage of all the wonderful benefits that come from being a member of Dance in Philly. Once again, my name is Charles Tyson Jr. You have a wonderful day.